You're listening to And what's poppin' everybody? Welcome to episode 92 of the Good Pop Culture Club. It is Thursday, February the 17th, 2022. My name is Marvin Yu and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American Jess Jew coming in live from the state of Florida. I am recording this in the belly of an alligator that has swallowed me whole, like the biblical tale of Pinocchio. But with an alligator. But with an alligator, because it's Florida. Well, we hope you make it out alive. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. Also joining us, professional culture editor, Han Win. Hey, Han. Hi. Recording live from the bowels of another beast called TCA Critics Week. Yeah. The beast that will never be. It's like Cerberus. Like you sl- you cut off one head. Or no, the Hydra. You cut off one yeah. head and it keeps coming back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, next week is supposedly the end. So we'll see. <laughs> Supposedly, until the next time. Uh, Well, it's been an eventful week since we last checked in. Um, Nathan Chen won the gold medal, as did Chloe Kim on the half pipe. Um, The Super Bowl happened, and I guess LA won. uh, Go sports teams! (laughs) And Valentine's Day happened. Did any of you guys watch any of those things last week? I watched the Olympics. Those are fun. Um, The the Nathan Chen-Chloe Kim double day was fun um double like it was so obvious they were gonna win though <laughs> yeah so they both like, oh, demolished cool. they were oh, yeah. both the first place by like a good mile i mean like chloe kim threw down her winning run on her first run and then it's like yeah i did watch um men's snowboard half pipe and that was pretty exciting because the little one of the japanese snowboarders was like obviously should have scored higher and like the commentators were so mad they're like this is a trap he was robbed like are they seeing and i was like you know i like this um and he did actually end up winning on his third run so happy for him uh so that was fun you know just asian excellence all around in the homelands and in the diaspora yeah i enjoyed watching nathan chen win in his um Vera Wang Star Trek cosplay. It was amazing. Oh, the, the, the outfit was not good. I'm sorry. Vera Wang needs to be like, it wasn't good. No, no. <laughs> She's done better. Because she does a lot of, she does like all the figure skaters outfits, I think, for like many Olympics. Now she did, she designed Michelle Kwan's. She did like Evan Lysacek's outfits. Um, And I generally enjoy, I, I think men's figure skating costumes need to be more flamboyant again. But that's fine. Mm. That's neither here nor there. We can talk about this later, Marvin. <laughs> all right. Well, um, this week's Good Pop Culture Club, we're talking all about the new Ali Wong comedy special, Don Wong. Um, that's available on Netflix right now. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is bringing us through the week. Uh, let's. I see Han typing furiously. <laughs> so to give her more time, let's start with Jess. What's popping, Jess? Uh, it's been pretty rough around these parts, Marvin, um, to be a woman, to be an Asian woman. So I just need pure escapism. And so I started watching Murderville on Netflix. It is uh, relatively new. I think it premiered like two weeks ago about it is a comedy murder mystery featuring a new celebrity guest each week each episode will arnett plays a character a detective character and everybody else in the show has the script and is playing a character except the celebrity guest and they are made to do different improv games so as a college insufferable college improver 
and someone who enjoys celebrities. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed this show. Uh, it's really interesting to see. I think there's like six episodes. The guests range from like Ken Jong to Kumal Nanjiani, which like, okay, that makes sense, to Marshawn Lynch, who <laughs> uh, surprisingly, unsurprisingly, has the best episode and is fucking hilarious. He's so funny. Marshawn Lynch, uh, go Oakland. And it's it's really funny. Like, I just, um, like, everyone has their kind of their different styles. Some people are choosing to play, a, like, either are, like, really, you know, they're all still kind of, all the celebrity guests are still kind of playing, like, different characters. And it's really smart the way they built in, like, all these different improv games. So there's some classics, like, we're going to sing the same song, but no one knows the words. And then there's, like, we're going to do the mirror. And, uh, you know, the whole point of improv is yes and. And nothing made me laugh harder than, Kumail Nanjiani's in Kumail Nanjiani's episode, he's told to walk like a cool guy, <laughs> and it just gets uh, arguably worse. And it's really funny when Will Arnett breaks. <laughs> uh so yes, really enjoyed it. Would recommend it, even if you don't aren't maybe not the biggest improv nerd. It's it's just a fun, easy watch. Yeah, I saw this getting previewed on Netflix, and it did catch my interest because it's been a while since we've had a good improv heavy show right it's not the heaviest improv because only the celebrity guest is improving i mean i guess will arnett is improving in character but everyone else kind of knows what's going on except the celebrity guests um so it's not like the most like heavy improv it's more like you're kind of watching the spectacle of a celebrity trying to keep up with this storyline and of course they're satirizing you know the tropes of like a cop procedural uh i think if you like variety shows like if you like those like korean variety shows where they make celebrities do weird challenges like it's more that vibe honestly than um an improv show because there's really no stakes to this right the whole point is just just kind of enjoying watching these famous people being put through the ringer it reminded me of some of the old skits that um conan used to do on his late night show yes and conan is also a guest and he's very i thought he was very funny it's really interesting also to see like how people rank them i thought conan's was great he's uh, he basically at one point has to explain what death is to like a six year old and they just let him keep going on and it's really funny um, I did notice that our friend Leland Bowden is also in it Leland is the forensic scientist so she's the coroner forensic scientist who like is showing them the dead body also very charming uh, so we kind of get those stock characters there's like the police chief who's also his ex-wife and there is you know the his, the other detective who's now dating his wife and ex-wife and yeah so it's you know you kind of have that thorough line sprinkled there but really it's about watching will arnett interact with these his celebrity assistant every week um kind of these really fun games and just kind of seeing what how they go along when like you know like blood starts squirting out <laughs> amazing yeah yeah. All right. Han, you ready? <laughs> sure. I think right. I kind of settled on what I was going to talk about. All right. What's popping, Han? All right. So since I have been at press tour, uh, that usually means like, you know, preparing to watch a ton of different types of shows in order to follow along with the uh, press conferences that are back to back to back. So while I will touch on two very quickly, then I will focus on one other. But um, so one is an upcoming uh, comedy series coming to uh, HBO Max called Julia. It's about Julia Child. Basically, uh, if you like the movie version, 
you should try the TV series version. Um, Julia Child is played by, oh God, what's her name? Uh, Sarah Lancashire, who is uh, the star of Happy Valley. And um, Paul Child, the husband, is played by uh, David Hyde Pierce. Um, and first episode I saw was very pleasant. So, and since it is a comedy, I'm, and we also know that her, her life was pretty good. It's, it's kind of a nice investment, um, in time and, you know, nice, uh, costuming it's, you know, in the sixties, her breaking into TV and basically pioneering the whole cooking show thing is fun. Um, rat in the kitchen, totally sort of a 180, but it is a reality cooking show that's somewhat like um what's a uh, cutthroat kitchen but not quite basically six people are, uh compete um one person is designated as the rat but no one knows who it is and they need to sabotage all the other dishes <gasps> and and if uh if they successfully do it enough then they get the money from the pot so every time they ruin a dish they get more money um <gasps> And uh, the the host is Natasha Leggero, who's really funny. And the uh, celebrity chef judge of the dishes is Ludo Lefebvre. Um, and so I found it very fun, uh, the first episode. So that doesn't come out until later. Both of those come out in like end of March. So you have time. Um, but so, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. With the rat in the kitchen, first of all, very offensive to good rats like Remy, who does not yeah. deserve the slander. <laughs> Um, right. Second of all, is there some sort of like hidden identity voting off procedure? Like what is what what are the stakes for said rat? So so the more they so there are a few. So the more they um ruin, the more money goes from the general pot to their pot. By the end, everyone guesses who the rat is by writing their name on with a sharpie on a cleaver. <laughs> <laughs> and if they successfully guess, then the rat gets nothing. But if they unsuccessfully guess, the rat gets the money that they've earned in the pot. And the episode I saw, they they didn't even guess. Like all the other five people guessed different names. Um, obviously, the rat didn't vote for himself or herself. Um, but uh, what's uh, what I thought was interesting was in the first episode, one of the chefs, and I won't tell whether this person is the rat or not, is Vietnamese. And keeps adding fish sauce to stuff. <laughs> and so everyone's like, this guy's got to be the rat. Why is he wow. adding fish sauce to stuff? <laughs> uh, because fish sauce is good in everything. So on the panel, I did actually ask Chef Ludo. I was like, please talk to me about like, I was basically asking for justice for fish sauce. I was like, um, it's like, how much do you use it? Do you like it? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. He's like, I use it in so many things. He's also a Frenchman. So of course he knows fish sauce. Who doesn't too. love umami and everything, man? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had like a fish sauce caramel? It's delicious. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I've been playing around with ideas for using fish sauce and caramel and stuff like that for a while. Anyway, um, maybe that's enough. Maybe I don't need to go on to the next ones. But <laughs> the the last one I want to mention is something that people can actually watch, which is why I want to mention it. So um, Jendi Tartakovsky's Primal. Um, if you know that name, he did Dexter's Laboratory and a bunch of other great cartoons. Um, and mm -hmm. Primal is something that's kind of an experiment. And I didn't check it out the first season, but you can now. It's on HBO Max. Um, it's 10 episodes and it's set in a very odd world because it looks prehistoric but it's also fantastical it's also kind of sci-fi um and it follows two two characters one is sort of like a neanderthal uh since he doesn't have a name we call him spear and a a female tyrannosaurus rex called, who we call fang and they each 
uh, go through trauma in the first episode because their families are uh, oh no are are uh, preyed upon by some sort of I I don't know how to call it, but this is what I mean. Why why we don't know you know it's a mixture of genres, and so they sort of pair up and they have adventures together. But what makes this fascinating is that um, primarily there is no dialogue. And so it's all about the action and the score and and just it's it's fascinating. And what I found when I was watching it, because like I said, I hadn't seen the first season. So I was just watching this episode. I was just like, even though there's a lot of drama going on, I was like, I kind of found it like soothing, like a soundscape <laughs> because the music's really good. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, it was very interesting. Um, there are going to be, of course, uh, by the end of the first season i don't want to spoil anything but there will be other encroaching peoples which never spells anything good so um anyway the second season is coming um which is why i was uh watching the first season for press tour but yeah you can check it out right now um and i think it's worth it's worth checking out it may not be your cup of tea but i was actually surprised um that i enjoyed uh, watching it that sounds interesting that reminds me of besides the whole like you know family death at the beginning part um yeah. the incredible journey like the original film not the one with the talking animals but the ones where it's like entirely silent it's like animals trying to find it's like a dog dog but but the ones where like the dog and the cat there's no dialogue and they're just trying to find their way home from the yeah. wilderness it, it 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 really challenges the filmmaker um to do brisk and smart storytelling uh, in order to do it without dialogue. So, yeah, yeah, check it out. Awesome. And Marvin, what's popping with you? All right. So um, we're back in Marvin's anime corner. Um, <laughs> I've been watching um, an anime called My Dress Up Darling, uh, which is currently simulcasting, which means it's releasing at the same time with Japan and America through the American streamers. Uh, so it is a high school slice of life um, rom-com starring um, Gojo Okana, who is a high school student who dreams of becoming a Hina doll um, artisan like his grandfather um, to take on the family business. Um, when he was a child, he was shunned by a childhood friend uh, for having a quote-unquote girly hobby. And so he's grown up as a socially isolated um, young man. One day at school, um, working on a sewing machine, he is um, stumbled upon by Kitagawa Marin, who is a popular girl in school, who discovers his hobby and his ability to sew. And to a surprise, instead of um, being disgusted hmm. by what she sees, she actually gets super excited because it turns out that she has been looking for someone to help um, her create a cosplay outfit. Because um, in addition to being a popular girl in school, she's also a huge otaku nerd who loves anime and video games and wants to try out cosplaying because she wants to dress up as her favorite characters. And what follows is a pretty charming rom-com um, where Marin helps encourage his um, passion and talent in creating clothes. And Wakana uses his talents to help Marin pursue her dream of cosplaying as her favorite um, anime and video game characters. And what I think is really cool is Marin isn't like your typical Manic Pixie dream girl. You know, she doesn't just exist to bring Wakana out of his shell. Um, they both support each other. They both are pursuing their own agendas. And they both also have really great chemistry. Um, their interactions are super sweet. So the show itself is very wholesome. Um, but <laughs> it's also very, very horny. Because... Um, <laughs> Bury the bury lead. The lead. I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Because it does involve a lot of like getting dressed and measuring, and there's a lot of very you know, um, the the anime definitely has 
very male gazy shots um, in between all the wholesome kind of rom comness. So your mileage may vary if you're not down with that kind of stuff. It, it might not it might not be for you. But other than that, it's a very cute and um, like upbeat and positive show, which is which is a lot of fun. It's also really funny. Um, I also mentioned this show. I started watching it because. With the simulcast, they're also turning out the dubs for each episode um, a couple of weeks uh, behind. Whoa. And I was really excited to see that playing the lead role of Gojo Wakana on the English dub is um, our friend, the original hip-hop violinist, Paul Date. What? <laughs> what? And I'm very excited that his debut anime voiceover role is the main character of this very wholesome, horny anime. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> now that I know it's Paul. That's funny. Because I get to hear him say lines like this. Uh-oh. Everything was great. Thanks a ton, man. Come back soon. Yum. That was so good. Agreed. It was delicious. Teenagers on a date. That sure takes me back. I wanted to treat I miss those days. Adulting ruins lives. Okay, moment of truth. What did you think of Slippery Girls? Honestly, I haven't finished it yet. What part are you on? The one where he's up in front of the whole school at the morning assembly and can't stop ejaculating? No, no. actual hell? <laughs> I know I was panicking for him. Poor guy just couldn't stop. Does she think that's funny or something? And on with his body. Dude must be Our future is in their sick little hands. It's terrifying. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh, that's the problem when you have too many friends who are in the entertainment industry. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I forgot to mention um, the female lead Marin. Um, not only is she a fan of anime and video games, she's a fan of horny, erotic anime and video games. I mean, slippery girls. <laughs> Come on. And yeah, so if anything I just said sounds remotely interesting to you, um, check it out. The anime is called My Dress Up Darling. It's streaming now on Funimation and Crunchyroll. And give it a shot if you're looking for a sweet, funny, and sometimes horny um, rom-com. All right. Speaking of ejaculations, after the break, we're talking all about the new Ali Wong Netflix special, Don Wong. <laughs> Stick around. Great segue, Marvin. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking all about the new Ali Wong Netflix comedy special, Don Wong, that just released this past Monday. Uh, I don't think Ali Wong needs any introduction. She is a... <laughs> Amazing comedian who debuted, gosh, how long ago was um, Baby Tiger? Baby, Baby Cobra. Cobra. It was def- <laughs> it was like 20, it was before 2016, because I was still in San Francisco at the time. <laughs> like 2015, I think, or 2015, 2014. So it says released on Mother's Day 2016, although she filmed it in 2015. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, it must have been 2015 then because yeah, it was um that was the first year we had the collaboration um Empower Creative Leaders Conference that I helped produce when I still worked there and we had Ali Wong on a writers panel cuz that was back when she was a staff writer on mm. the first season of Fresh Off the Boat. And I remember she was still pregnant with her first child um, on that panel. I think she had just recorded the special. It was definitely before it got released and she became super famous. So we can still, you know, get her to speak at tiny ass yes. Asian American conferences. And <laughs> yeah, she wasn't being mobbed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that shot her up to superstardom. Um, now she has three Netflix specials under her belt. It was interesting because a lot of the jokes that she gave here, I had actually heard before because I had gone to her last tour before the pandemic. When I guess she was working on these jokes um, for the new special. Um, but this special itself was filmed during the pandemic, right? Uh, let me double check. I think it was J- New Jersey. Hold on. I mean, she did extend tour dates. So let me yeah. check. Uh, well, because she did have a pandemic joke in there. So it's got to be after the lockdown, right? Uh, Although the audience members film- didn't look masked. So. No, no. Filmed in... Um, Count Basie Theater, New Jersey, November 2021. So, yes. Okay. So, fairly recently. I mean, November was during that, you know, pre-Omicron. Small window before Omicron and Delta was dying. Yeah. Yeah. Where we thought we would be free. How foolish. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, uh, what do we think of Don Wong? So, first, I was really confused because the exact same thing happened to me, Marvin. And it was not (laughs) until we looked into our notes for the show, I realized... Why everything sounds so freaking familiar? Because I too went to go see this show and I was like, is she just reusing material? Am I like living through like a space vortex? Like what happened? <laughs> totally forgot that I saw this show live. Um, so at first I was like, oh, I think she's like lost it. <laughs> Cause like she's just repeating jokes now. And now I have to reconsider. And she did make some changes. It's not a one for one from the show, but the big themes are there. And um, I I'm still enjoying the thread. I'm enjoying the watch the progress of her relationship with her husband and her <laughs> children. That's always very fun. Uh, and she always like you know she always finds ways to kind of call back to her own stuff within the same set, which I find very enjoyable. This this time, you know, a lot of talking about Sanrio, which I relate to. And it's one of those things that make it so specific. Like, actually, the line that got the biggest laugh from me wasn't even anything to do with, like, the sex stuff or, like, the cheating stuff. It was very specifically, like, I want to be sponsored by Sanrio because I want the erasers that smell like gum and the gum that tastes like erasers. I was like, that is 100% what Sanrio is. And that was my childhood. So very, like, Asian female specific perspective there. Yeah, I actually had a good chuckle at that line, too. It's definitely interesting to see the progression of her, I guess, checking in on her life through her (laughs) comedy specials. Um, And it's funny because we first meet her before the first kid, but after marriage, right? So it's like now she's like two kids down. This is probably her first special where she's not pregnant. Yes, but it's it is it, you're right. It's really funny because, you know, she wasn't famous when she recorded her first one. And now the relationship and the power dynamic, which is what this show is really talking about with her husband and how she's a and how she can't leave him now because he would just take too much of her money. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting this wrong, but didn't his family force her to sign a prenup before they got married? Yeah, I think she talks about that in her second special where <laughs> they are like they fucked up because now she makes so much more money than him. 
Yeah. He walks into work like without a care in the world because he doesn't need to work. <laughs> yeah, this was this was interesting because I don't know if I've ever followed someone's career quite so tightly because, you know, like you said, like she mentions all these steps in her life in her stand up. And then I also read her book in between that kind of fills in the gaps there. And then, you know, I also reported on Always Be My Maybe. <laughs> And got to interview her there. And so it's like, and then, of course, she mentions uh, filming Always Be My Maybe. Oh, she's shilling the entire time. She's shilling that film the entire special. And so it's kind of like you can fill in all the little blanks of her her life, you know, from about, whatever, seven years ago (laughs) onward. (laughs) Um, So it's been fascinating. And but one of the things that I kind of like that I read in her book, and so I kind of was able to observe it here, was just like, she was when we talk about a Schiller, she also like works. She hustles. Um, when she was starting out in stand up, she would do anywhere from like nine sets a night. Um, so and so she definitely honed her skill and her set. And, you know, a lot just ask anyone who does stand up, like how much they have to craft, you know, exactly where each word lands and things like that. So Having seen this in person, and of course I don't have a you know hundred percent recall, but then watching it here and just feeling what's different and what's like what's the same, I'm just like, man, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's so good about like how well she can put that that together. And one of the things that I like noticed here and in her book is just like how she can mix that, like the crass and the uh, and the sex and the poop so much poop stories um but with love like it always comes around to kind of like heartwarming <laughs> and it's like how did she do that so it's kind of fascinating um i don't necessarily love the cheating story and it's not because of a moral thing or anything like that but um i think it's just because the cheating is just more of um her way of getting to the gender inequality right um and like, I agree. I agree with all the shittiness that she's pointing out and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's kind of like after a while, I'm just like, ah, it's kind of depressing that like a lot of times female comics have to talk about gendered things specifically um, as far as like inequality and stuff like that. And so um, I just started watching the first episode of Maisel, which uh, season four comes out soon. And uh, and, you know, it just it's it's very much not the same thing, but kind of like. um definitely referring to men like there is no such thing as a Bechdel you know stand up <laughs> for a woman I guess um or at least I haven't seen a lot of that yet so uh I mean there's yeah. I guess yeah I mean I guess there's something to be said about being able to talk about that stuff confidently right without any mm-hmm. hesitation I'm sure someone out there is going to do like a feminist reading on <laughs> this comedy yeah. special but the core of her special the core of a lot of her stand up is kind of like this calling out this double standard between how you treat men and women, especially men and women comics, right? The yeah. whole bit about fan pussy and how fan dick sucks mm-hmm. because it's scary. Um, even the parts where she's talking about cheating and about how like, you know what? My husband doesn't really care because he is living on easy street now, right? Like I think I haven't read her books or I don't know it personally, so I don't want to read too much into their relationships, but I feel like the type of person who ends up marrying someone like that goes in knowing that's what they're in for, right? I also think it's like the I have a I don't know what I call this theory, but like the more you talk about it, you probably are not going to do it. 
Oh yeah, and yeah. No, you no. talk about how you love your wife, <coughs> John Mulaney. You probably will, um, right? <laughs> but this is and, exactly what I mean when I say it. it's not about the morality. I don't think she will cheat. I don't. Th- I think it's a bit, right? Yeah. And so anyone who takes it literally, I was like, you're not kind of seeing what she's talking about here. So for me, I just it's just the the reality of the thing. It's like she is pointing out all of these gender inequities, and it's one hundred percent true. But after a while, I'm just like. Eh. I'm so tired. I, I do love the punchline, though, when it comes down to like, so when you find some shit on me, when my shit about me comes out, like nobody <laughs> surprised. I'm <laughs> yeah. telling you right now, I'm a sucky person, uh, which is great. I do love at the very beginning when she was just talking about how um, the best comic she knows in the world uh, is dating a magician. <laughs> A, a two-star Yelp magician. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, is he at least the best magician in the world? And I was like, oh, two-star, two-star. Yeah. And and it's and you know, here's the thing: I think the best magicians in the world, as far as like, you no, know, the ones who are headliners are fun. But it is one of those things where it's like magicians. Um, it it get a bad rap, even though you need to know them in order to get to Ma- Magic Castle. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I, 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 I knew a guy in college who wanted to be a professional magician. And I was just like, what do you mean? I, I didn't know what it was, uh, like for real. Did but his anyway. dreams come true? I don't know. I didn't follow him. He was just such an ass. That's uh, valid. That's valid. <laughs> he, he, he kept saying that he also wanted to be a mesmerist and he was going to hypnotize me. And then, of course, I didn't get hypnotized. He's like, or did you think you didn't? And I'm just no, like, no, Fuck dude, you, dude. No, <laughs> no. So that's what I was just like. This was at a retreat for uh, and there were other people there. So I was just like, no, no. <laughs> Um. Anyway, and you know he uses all the same lines because he's like, "What kind of whatever?" He's like, "Do you believe in?" And I was like, "No." And he's like, "You are prime to be the person who would be susceptible for this." And I was like, "No, no, 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 anyway. dude." <laughs> I do have this whole running theory again. It's like a running theory I have with one of my like board members who's like, "Oh, magicians are shysty. Like, oh, you be careful because they're all about deceiving people." Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, not to go on a tangent about, about magicians. Don't trust the musician. Got it. Noted. Um, musicians but I, or magicians? Let's, magicians. Let's make sure we're dunking the right I mean, demographic both. here. But honestly, both. What honestly, if it's a, both. a musician who also practices magic? Absolutely not. Straight to jail. Absolutely not. Hell no. Um, There's only one e- so much ego one can put in a human man. Yeah, but you know, here's the other thing. When we're talking about, when I was talking about like how much he hustles, the 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 storyline about basically having impacted poop uh, and be, and not being able to poop that that pretty much shows um, how hard she works. I believe <laughs> not being able to uh, poop for six six weeks. Yeah, that that it took to uh, film her movie. That's a long time. I mean, did she not eat? I'm just like, I'm kind of confused. I did feel called out when she talked about how dudes spend too much time on the toilet. Yeah, I felt that too. It was... Talking about the female guilt? Oh my God. About using the toilet too much? I was like, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm in there with my iPad and my magazines. Oh yeah. Wow, how rude. (laughs) I legitimately had to have a talk with my boyfriend about this because I was like, look, if you're going to poop every morning for like 30 minutes, you have to plan your day around that. Like, if I tell you we need to leave at like 
seven it's like especially true for like vacations like you cannot get up at like 6 30 expecting to only take 30 minutes to get ready if you know you're gonna take a shit every morning dude he's like (laughs) like, yeah i mean he took it very well but i was like yeah i like point that out to him no that's good see you're working with him and you're spelling it out instead of just being resentful like i would be so (laughs) good for you what's it like to live free marvin what's what's it like i'd love to know it's great. You should try it someday. So, so, so all three of us have seen her do the. It was the milk and money, milk and, milk money, and tour? money tour. Yes, milk and money tour, which I think is hilarious because this was all before COVID. Yeah, I did feel I was, um, I was shortchanged one Shen Wang set because that was definitely his voice <gasps> yes! introducing her, introducing right? her at the beginning. I, I remember seeing him, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so excited!" And I was just like, "When is he getting a Netflix deal?" Um, because she's been so good about introducing him and making sure that, you know, he, he always gets some attention. He does have a Comedy Central special. Oh, okay. I'll check that out. Um, yeah, I very much enjoyed him when I saw him. <laughs> um, it was just such a nice, fun Asian day to, um, because I was saying, telling you this, like, I saw this with my, my Chinese friend who we first had BCD Tofu House first <laughs> and then walked to the Wiltern. And then oh. saw Sheng Wang, and then uh, yeah, and then her, and so it was. It was just a nice day. Yeah, I think I saw that one at the Long Beach Theater. Mm. So I did watch part of the special. I decided to take a look what kind of um, subtitles they offered, and they did offer Chinese subtitles. So I did turn they them do. on for a little bit. I and... make my mom watch these. <laughs> That's great. It's interesting to learn how dirty words are written in Chinese. Interesting. Are they literal? I mean, it's, it's all colloquial. But uh, okay, Jess, are you gonna make your mom watch this one? Oh yeah, she always she she watches. She's like, oh, this woman's crazy. Though I wonder how they um translate "come on your face." <laughs> uh, don't relate. Um, not into that. It's like I did too much time on my hair and my face. No, absolutely not. Um, it's just about efficiency. Um. I do love the I love the section. Ooh, this is a very revealing. Uh, this is a very spicy mm-hmm. revealing. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a question, Marvin. Yeah, loved the one about how a, the perfect man needs to go from like sweet walk on the beach uh, energy to I'm gonna choke you energy in the span. Like that's where the secret sauce lies. I was like. Yeah, she's not wrong. That's, she's absolutely not wrong. I mean, if accurate. the camera panned out during that bit, a lot of nodding probably in the audience. Yeah. yeah. So, so does this any of this? Sh- I have a question for you, Marvin. As an Asian man, does this shock you at all? And he thinks she has said because she really is just kind of like I feel like the inner monologue of a lot of Asian women. Um, I feel like she's kind of just like giving you? everything away. It's like. But you know, we have such a hard time like communicating this. Maybe if if Ali Wong is saying it better and more efficiently, we'll get through people. I'm all for it. Yeah, I definitely agree that her saying it is probably hopefully more helpful than <laughs> than not. Yeah, I see a lot of um, even if they don't watch it with their significant others, a lot of girlfriends slash wives will probably force their husbands and boyfriends to watch them and really make them pay attention to those parts. Yeah, like elbow them in the ribs and be like let me rewind this part for you um you know what the part i liked and and she's mentioned this in interviews before was when she was talking about um 
write, co-writing always be my maybe and basically being able to make out with three different hot Asian actors, American Asian American actors. And I was like, yeah. And I think that's the other thing that when people forget about uh, the creative process is like, especially when it comes to Hollywood, it's like you have a lot of control. So, you know, when I think about that type of stuff, it's like people don't have to be good looking like her and being able to be on camera. You can also just write things. And so, then put yourself in them and get a hot Persian food <laughs> consultant to show you how to debone a chicken. I thought that was an interesting point because I was like, I, I, I couldn't remember if he was Persian or not, but I was like, maybe he was. But I just remember even like the there was a young Asian guy who I don't know, can't remember if he ran a restaurant in San Francisco or whatever, but he helped contribute to the uh, the restaurant scenes. And so I was just like, all of them. I was like, all of them were good looking. I was uh, like, you live you live your truth, girl. And again, she's very smart about callbacks even to her first segment, mm-hmm. right? So she brings back, you know, her the dry coochie and it's dry. It's no, it's no longer dry. It can still produce, you know, grade A coochie juice if she, when she needs it. Um, it's glistening. It's glistening. It could it could spackle the holes in her underwear. Uh, so i guess on a bigger scale um it's been now what six years since baby cobra yeah oh my god that the baby from baby cobra is like in school now yeah virtual like has coherent thoughts oh sorry like i know what i (laughs) identify with i'm sorry now i remember um is how she's she says at first that she envies single people, but then afterwards she's like, "But I don't want to have to start over again," and because like dating right now, like it's so hard. And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't start over, don't start over." Yeah, and I was just like, "You're basically your friends who are getting divorced who are telling her don't start over." I was like, "Yeah, that's me. Like, you know, I'm pretty much only dealing with people who are starting over. You know, at this age." So all of all of those divorced friends and all of those like uh, people who have been in too many relationships or not enough or uh, I don't know widowers all lining up for me. So uh, <laughs> just, so I was just like, yeah, you need one of those friends, and she can do a bit in her next act. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. Like I mean, obviously she's going to have another because she's these things still do super mm-hmm. well. Um, I don't know. I haven't read the discourse on this last special yet, but I'm sure it'll do gangbusters. So far, the only she's still the only like big Asian female comedian who's getting Netflix specials, right? Yes, uh, as far as Netflix. Also, she she has a really good deal with Netflix, though. Like she is part of literally part of the Netflix family at this point. That's mm-hmm. why she's on so many other things that are not just her specials. Like she had the movie. She's on Big Mouth. She has uh, the upcoming show Beef coming. Uh, yes, so excited about yeah. that with Stevian. I think she might be a, a voice on the dark dog cartoon. I can't remember now, but it's just like, <laughs> she she has so many things that going on at Netflix. Well, she's in so. that bird cartoon, right? Uh, Tuka Birdie. Birdie, yeah, but that's now on on um, Adult Swim because Netflix canceled it. Dummies. Boo Netflix. Yeah, boo Netflix. But um. She was on BoJack. She was on Bird Love Victor. She was, yeah. Oh, that's Hulu. Um, Yeah. Oh, (laughs) she booked and busy. She booked and busy. Yeah, yeah. But as far as the Netflix thing, you're right. I know that they do like to stick with certain people. So they she just needs to like work her 
mojo and get like other people introductions. Like clearly Randall Park is probably also getting some love. Um, we'll start seeing a lot more in that for him and Netflix, but like who else? Um, obviously we saw in always be my, maybe we saw that, um, um, Michelle Buteau is now everywhere on Netflix. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of time, hopefully that we can see, start seeing more. Yeah. It is cool to see that she's become like one of their go-to people. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to see more people, but I know like her work has given a lot more people opportunities. What Randall Park's doing with Michael Lomko with, um, imminent collision. Um, that's giving a lot of people a lot of opportunities. So, I mean, she, her special came out before the whole crazy rich Asians, um, mm-hmm rush of asian projects um and it has endured and i'm glad she has broken through because i know plenty of non-asians who love ali wong who love her specials like a lot of my girlfriends you know co-workers who are latino and and white they love her stand-up like they all go to watch her live and there is something very universal about her comedy but i also love that she still reserves jokes just for us like the whole sanrio one yeah, she's she's definitely, I guess, the closest to a crossover artist we have when it comes to race, which I hate to say that, but she is uh, loved as an actual funny comic, not the Asian comic, um, which which is great. Um, I think at this point, anyone if she's in anything, people will just check it out because she has a brand for just being funny uh, and, and 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 sort of a I don't know, a blunt funny um some you know how some comics you're kind of like oh you have to be in the mood or you have to like like that weird (laughs) delivery but she's kind of appealing to all people even let's say conservative moms uh, (laughs) who who will still watch her though because she's compelling um so yeah she says what they think i i I do miss some of the deeper asian cuts that we got in her first two specials (laughs) specifically baby i mean baby cobra right when she's saying shit that like we thought we all knew was true (laughs) Like the shitting on Koreans or like, you know, you go to the pho restaurant and there better be like a storage closet in the bathroom. Like you're not yeah. going to you're not getting good pho to place with like a cute name. It better have a number and like a grandma peeling onions in the back. Yeah. Uh, like that was like for us. Right. Uh, I do yeah. miss some of those deeper cuts, but I'm like, I get it. Get the bad girl. Like got a wide demographic. Got to support um, that husband. Gotta support that husband. He needs the cable. Got two kids. They will maybe go to college, hopefully. Um, or I, a part of me kind of hopes that they'll just get to be like nepotism babies. You know how like famous <laughs> kids get to just be like influencers or go on like e-reality shows. I was like, I want that for the Wongs, but they're probably going to be like too smart to like do that. The Harris, the heiresses of the Ali Wong fortune, right? They're, they're yeah. gonna, they're gonna be brilliant at whatever it is they do, and it might be something totally like. Un, un, oh, they're they're going to grow up hating stand-up well, comedy and be as far away from entertainment as possible, which to Ali Wong would be a win as an Asian yeah. parent. One of them will figure out like some sort of I don't know vaccine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one will be in robotics or something. I don't know. To be fair, I read that um, Justin, the husband, is an executive at a health startup. So ah, uh, there you go. I mean, he's also, as we heard you know, a Harvard business grad and all these other things. It's kind of like they can do whatever the hell they want, I think. Um, and they can even be underachievers and still probably do very well at that. When she realizes in the set, when uh, in the set, when she realizes that she can make it on her own and I guess she didn't need to be pr- pressured Justin to marrying her. 
She's like, that oh, cute. maybe I should have waited. Did That's you feel sweet. that, Jess? Oh, no, I have decided to put all my eggs in the Raymond basket so See, I can be a stay-at-home wife. I literally thought of you when she's like, he's Thank living, you. yeah, she's like, He's living the life I wanted, basically. And I was like, oh, that's Jess. She's going to get yeah. the life that she wants. <laughs> I'll try. Or like like a much more moderate, because uh, yes, I love my, I love, I love my Ray Ray, but he's, he's, he's not going to make Ali Wong money, but it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah. So it's weird, you know, like, I feel like I've really grown with Ali Wong as well. When, <laughs> when the first special came out, four separate people texted me or like commented, they're like, have you seen this new Special, this girl sounds like you. And she has like really big glasses. Like she's this like foul mouth, like vulgar Asian woman with big glasses that like won't stop talking about like doing it. And, you know, I'm I'm glad we have all we we have aged together. I haven't had kids, but yes, different mm-hmm. uh it feels nice to have a a marker. <laughs> I mean, much like um Ali Wan's husband, um, your boyfriend will definitely know what he's getting into. When oh, 100% knows what he's getting into. 100%. <laughs> I wear the crazy on the sleeve, okay? That's that's my strategy. <laughs> Why waste time? <laughs> All right. Um, I guess to wrap things up, is Ali Wong, Dong Wong, good pop? Yes, more, more. Yes. I, I wonder how many more puns we can get from her name. <laughs> like non-offensive puns because you know Abercrombie did a bunch of offensive ones already with the Wong thing but yeah let's let's keep it going let's keep the train going let's get Justin like a Maserati or a Lamborghini or whatever he wants <laughs> uh yeah you know what even though we all went through that deja vu and we're like hey I've seen this or heard this before it was still entertaining so second time around still works I I think that shows just how good she is yeah it was a lot of fun um I, I did enjoy that little fugue of like I'm pretty sure I've heard these jokes before, but they're still very funny. So I'm still very much enjoying myself. Yeah, the fact that it didn't, I didn't realize this until like legitimately two thirds until the third act when she's <laughs> no. talking about like how uh, she wants to cheat on her husband and all that stuff. I was like, wait, wasn't this in her life? Like, it took me that long to realize. So you know, she still got it. She still got it. It's fine. Well, or this- I just have Swiss cheese for brains now. <laughs> Well, um, there you have it. Ali Wong, Don Wong, good pop. Um, definitely looking forward to her next special, which will probably come out in another two years, probably. Yeah, we'll see because I don't I don't know how free she is to do and um, try out new material, which is what, you know, how this all comes together for her. So it'll I probably be a well, while. I mean, she needs a new special to shill her new projects like beef. So, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> all right. And that'll also do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Uh, Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your lewd thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at Jess Jude Tweets. And I am at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. You can check out our fellow Asian American host podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for joining us and we'll see you all next time. Bye everyone. Stay safe. Bye. Hey Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? 
I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada's a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 